Greetings. Welcome back to Sick Flick. I'm so excited to be here again. It's been a while. Um, and I've missed you so much. I had to take a break. Well, I decided to take a break because there was a lot going on in our world and there was a lot going on in my world. And so I just needed to, we needed to halt some episodes for a bit while we all get our our shit together. (laughs) But I'm excited to be back here again to talk about some movies. Well, actually some TV shows for this episode and I think the next episode at least we're going to be talking about TV shows and honestly I'm already tired of it um I'm not a TV show person I'm very much a movie person so I'm ready to get back to watching movies again but it's okay you know we gotta we gotta watch our TV shows every now and then and I've had fun watching the TV shows that we're going to talk about today um I'm just ready to talk about some movies again so If you can remember from long, long ago in our last episode, I said we're going to be talking about two TV shows this week. We're going to be talking about Never Have I Ever and Blood and Water. They're both on Netflix. You had so much time to watch it. So if you haven't, just know that this is a a complete spoiler episode. You've, You've been warned, not only today, but like two, three weeks ago. I don't know how long we had this last episode. But yeah, we're going to be talking about those two. Um, but first, we're going to be talking about what's been going on in the industry. So, in response to, I think, my last episode, Spike Lee's new new joint came out on Netflix um, this past Friday. The Five Bloods, that came out. I haven't watched it yet. I've been too busy trying to finish up doing what I need to do for this episode, along other things. So I haven't watched it yet. Carter was really good. I saw somebody say it was his most ambitious project yet. Who knows? Um, that will be interesting to watch if it truly is. But yeah, that's not all that I wanted to cover in this segment. I just want to say it's out there. Um, go watch it. Tell me what you think. I'll try and watch it as soon as possible. Sometime this week maybe, but who knows. But our main interest, I guess, for this episode is HBO. So HBO recently announced that they were going to be temporarily taking off Gone with the Wind from their, I guess, platform. So HBO Max just came out, and I think it was on that platform, and they've kind of taken it off temporarily um, because of everything that's been going on with, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, and they've, they said that they wanted to take it off to use it as a way of starting, like, a discussion on, I guess, race and how it plays into movies and whatnot, but to also show that they don't necessarily, like, agree with that movie it's just a very pivotal movie for film history um it came I think a lot of people have been saying it came out of an article that a filmmaker wrote for the New York Times the filmmaker is John Ridley he let's see he's a novelist 
filmmaker, writer, and he won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for 12 Years a Slave. And he essentially wrote a New York Times article on why they should take it off, saying that it kind of glamorizes and romanticizes the Confederacy and the secessionist movement um, because it makes it seem like a bigger and better thing than it actually was. And also because of its portrayal of black women. So the the prominent black figure, I guess, in this movie is, I think her name is literally like Mammy. And she is, I think, one of the first embodiments of the Mammy stereotype, um, which did a lot or still does a lot of harm to black women and the idea um, or the figure of like black women, especially like plus size black women in film. He wrote an article saying that, you know, it it idealized a um, racist movement and kind of glorifies that sort of racist mindset as well as harms the idea or the representation of like black women in film. So a lot of people have been saying that that them taking it off has been in response to that. Um, but like I said, it's only temporary. So they said that they're going to eventually bring it back because it is so prominent or it is such a milestone key figure. I don't know in film history, which it, I understand because there's a lot of films in film history that, you know, they either, created this new way of capturing this new way of like technique they either did something interesting you know so there are a lot of movies that add to the art form that aren't necessarily um grounded with good ideas or grounded with you know good morals obviously not (laughs) like birth of a nation but it's kind of like yes these are bad like these are bad now um but their presence in film history is still really big for like the techniques or theories that they brought about if that makes sense so a lot of people have been mad that it's taken off just for the sheer fact that it is considered a classic but like i said hbo said that they're going to bring it back eventually they just wanted to take it off for now to bring about some sort of discussion on the movie and its racial implications, as well as to show people that they don't necessarily agree with this movie, you know? So that's all I have. Oh, as a little tidbit, um, I wanted to add, which is what people also use to try and justify this movie for being on the platform or justify the importance of this movie it's that the woman that plays the mammy figure in Gone with the Wind, Hattie McDaniels, she was the first African-American winner or African-American, yeah, I guess winner of um, an Oscar for that role. I don't know what it really means in regards to like race and racism, you know, for her getting that it's a great accomplishment nonetheless yes but it's kind of like it is 
separated slash irrelevant to what the film portrays. So I definitely, I mean, I don't really care either way. I'm not pressed to have it on the streaming platform, not pressed to see it on any streaming platform. And maybe it's just because, I don't know, I haven't personally seen it. But I feel like, not that it's less racist, but it's like I can see me having more of a problem with like Birth of a Nation where it's just, it does nothing but push racism. And I don't know how much it really adds to film history, like from any sort of technical theories, you know, perspective. Besides it maybe being some sort of milestone for something, you know, I don't know how much it actually added to the art form besides the fact of it being a milestone for whatever. Um, so it doesn't really push me either way, but I guess it's interesting that they did that. And that's why they did it, you know? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. So that's really all I have for our entertainment news or what's going on in the industry. I still have yet to find a name for it. I'm convinced I never will, but that's okay. So moving on, we're going to be talking about what we're actually going to be talking about for the episode. First, I want to actually, I don't know. I guess first I want to talk about Never Have I Ever because I did watch it first and it's also the last thing I rewatched because I had watched it a while ago and was like, ooh, I kind of want to talk about it. And since whenever I decided to talk about it and now I have forgotten a lot about it. So I wanted to, I rewatched it and I have some thoughts. The first thing I guess I want to say is overall, I really enjoyed this season I will definitely be tuning in you know next year or whenever it comes out again um and hopefully it does come out again because I actually really liked it I think that it's like genuinely really funny um there are a lot of just really funny jokes or moments that happens that like I'm I'm genuinely laughing and I feel like Comedy is so hard to get right for people, and when it does, a lot of times it's just like, oh, that was funny, you know, in the same way where you're like, LMFAO on Twitter or text, but like you have a straight face. It's usually funny in that way where you're like, oh, that was a funny joke, but like I'm not actually reacting to it because it's not that funny, but this show is actually that funny, at least for me, um, so there were a lot of times where I was I was genuinely laughing. I was like, that's a hilarious joke. And yeah, it was just such like a cute, just like a cute TV show, I guess. And it's still really funny. I guess I want to, I don't know. My biggest thing about this show is the way that they deal with like trauma, particularly about the main character Davy's father um so the show kind of opens up with this I don't know really quick backstory on the main character Davy she is a sophomore in high school and her and her friends are kind of are trying to like boost their popularity slash reputation because they realize that they're not that cool 
Which, side note, maybe it's just like this fake, like this imaginary teenage world that's still like reminiscent, reminiscent of like 1980s high school drama where people are just overly brutal for no reason. I don't know. But, or maybe I'm just not cool. Maybe that's it. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything objective. I'm just not as cool as I think I am. But I believe that, like, Davy and at least her other two friends, because Davy don't really be doing much, but her other two friends, like, they're cool. Like, I really like them. Um, I, yeah, they're cool. I really like, they, she has two, I guess, best friends, Fabiola and Eleanor. I love Eleanor. I love people that are just, like, overly dramatic and just so like in tune with themselves and their personality that they just do whatever and like they just don't really think of what anybody else thinks in 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 a more chaotic way where you're like girl like what are you doing and she's like well I'm just doing this and you're like okay I don't know if that makes sense but whatever and I feel like that's Eleanor she's like she I guess I guess she is like that stereotype of what theater kids are, but less in, I feel like, a weirdo way. Because I feel like when people talk about theater kids stereotypes, they're just like weird. Like, not even like performative weird. And I think that's Eleanor. Eleanor's like a performative weird where everything she does is for some sort of like big stage you know like it's all in preparation for a big stage and maybe that's theater kids but I feel like the theater kids stereotype is just like weird people weird people that don't know that have like there is no other acceptable environment for them to be this weird besides theater and that's why they're in theater you know I feel like it's the theater stereotype are people that are weird and they use theater as an outlet to like perform their weirdness but I feel like Eleanor is weird in the way that she is just very performative you know so it's just like she just makes everything a show regardless of what stage she is on but I love Eleanor um I love her energy her extraness, I'm here for it. Because, I don't know, she just seems the most, like, honed in with her individuality. Um, and Fabiola is so... I like Fabiola, even though I feel like she was pushed to the background a lot more than, I guess, Eleanor was. I feel like out of all of, like, the sub-main characters that just speak a lot <laughs> and have a lot of association with um Davy she is the one that has like not necessarily the least but she's just focused on the least and you know I'm I want to see more of her come next season but I still liked her a lot I like her whole angle of just being like really smart and really into science I wish that they delve into that a bit more her biggest thing was that like creepy robot um and her bigger thing was her being gay which I I have no, I've, 
I have no complaints about that, I guess. It, it wasn't anything bad. Like, it was nice for her little in-the-closet moment. And the way that they, like, lead, not necessarily lead up to it, but the way that they drop, I guess, like, hints before she gets to that. You know, like, with um the way that she dresses, where she keeps, she just dresses, like, not even masculine, but, like, she's always wearing just T-shirts and boy polos. And so, like, Davy's like, you know, you're supposed to be dressing, like, cute and girly. She's like, well, this is, like, my more fitted polo. You know, the janitor said I looked like his favorite, what was it, his favorite nephew. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just small things like that I think are so funny. But also just, like, cute to add to, like, her and her storyline, I guess. Um, but also her whole coming out, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It was perfectly fine. Like, I have I have no complaints because there wasn't anything wrong with it. Um, it was nice that she had supportive, really just a supportive mom, but I guess through her mom, a supportive family, um, which it makes sense because at the end of the day, this is kind of like a comedy. And not being assumed by your family for being gay, like, that's not funny, you know? Like, that ruins the mood, so... Just for, like, the sake of my heart and for the fact of it being a comedy show, it works. But, again, like, it doesn't matter what I say because I have no complaints about it. Not that it's irrelevant, but there's nothing to even critique or really talk about because, like, everything's handled perfectly fine. Um, But, yeah, I do like Fabiola and Eleanor, and I feel like they're just so underrated. Uh, I don't know why anybody would think that they're uncool. I think that they're the most interesting people out of the show honestly and truly but this was all a big side note to what Davy's father's death how did I get onto her friends I don't know but anyways um I guess my biggest complaint yeah my biggest complaint and what kind of branches off into other aspects of the show that I want to talk about is that I didn't like how they did her father's death. First of all, I think it all, the problem starts all at the beginning when they are doing this little background moment, I guess they talk about everything. And I don't know, like you just have to watch it to see that it's all done in a somewhat like lighthearted comedic way on top of the fact that this is a comedy. Um, And then they bring up the father's death and they're like, you know, he died. And then her legs stopped working. And then she was trying to look at a hot guy and they started working again. And let's continue on with the storyline. And so like they they do not award that moment such a short amount of time and recognition that it I feel like it makes you think that that's not like it's not something that's going to come up a lot in the show. And so I feel like every time it does, it just feels weird. On top of the fact of how, like, it's handled in those other moments. But, yeah, it treated, I feel like it treated his death in the beginning much more comedically than it probably should have. And they glossed over it in a way to where it not only feels unimportant, but, again, it just, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be something that is supposed to, like, really pull at 
you or any of the characters heartstrings and so when it comes back in serious moments it feels really off and so like there are moments in the show which I guess you can attribute to Davy's character because a lot of the times in the show whenever her father's death is brought up she kind of like just pushes it to the side to try and not deal with addressing it and like I can understand that you know but I feel like the sh- in those moments when the show is trying to address or trying to show her dealing with the trauma and the aftermath of her father's death and you see her brush it off it's like it doesn't show it doesn't show her reacting to I guess that trigger so much as it just it shows her brushing it off if that makes sense so it it looks like it genuinely is not important to her and so you're kind of like like you don't really know if she's brushing it off because you know she just doesn't want to talk about it or if she's brushing it off because it's genuinely not not a big deal to her and again it just it makes it you're constantly like so is this important? Is this not? Is this a serious thing? Like, am I supposed to care about what's going on right now? What, like, what is going on? And I guess regardless of the fact that, like, I already hate when movies and TV shows kill off a, like, teen protagonist's parents, I don't know, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they do that. Like, I don't know why it's become like a teen trope. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I hate it so much. And it especially feels weird in this show because a lot of the times, like especially in movies, they add it as a way of, and I think I tweeted about this, they add it as a way of like adding, I think I said like cheap, character development and maturity boost and so you know in like these movies where it's this kid this shy kid that you know their mother or father passed away or whatever they're usually like they seem so much more mature and so much more aged than all of their peers and you know it's always kind of like me against all of these dumb kids because they haven't experienced trauma like I have and I don't know in this it's like it's the opposite which to me it just feels more like okay so then why did this happen you know like it doesn't it doesn't really affect her in any way because one she just doesn't address anything but also like it doesn't really do anything to her or her family for the most part the only thing it does it's like it's brought up in flashbacks and even those flashbacks I mean, those flashbacks, the way that they're brought up, I think, is good because there are a lot of, like, obvious triggers um, regarding, like, when she's playing the harp. Every time she plays the harp, she thinks about her father. She thinks about her father's passing because he had a heart attack, I think, at her orchestra concert. That's what it was. At her orchestra concert. And so he passed away at her orchestra concert. So anytime she plays, she remembers that moment. That makes sense. Um, and not that it doesn't, not that it has to make sense, but I do like how the triggers are brought up in more obvious moments like that, where it's 
you know, it's easy to identify, but also just kind of in random moments, like a lot of times when she's thinking of um, Praxton, which is like her long lost love interest, I guess, um, it'll bring it'll bring that up or her mind will bring up the memories of her father, which it's kind of like if you're trying to analyze why you can't come to that decision, like you, you're not like, okay, I understand why with the heart because it happened, blah, blah, blah. But with Praxin, it's kind of like, oh, this is a good thing and we're going to think about that bad thing. And again, I think that's fine. I have nothing, I have no complaints with the way that they bring it up. I actually like it. I just don't like the rest of how they address his death. And I think it's more so because not that it happens randomly, but it's like it's hardly addressed and when it's addressed it's always in the manner of you know Davy brushing it off until the last episode and I I don't know I wish that a lot of the problems I have with the father's death but also with like conflict resolution and the way that Davy acts when she's addressing issues I wish that it had been done in the way that it's done in the finale, in the season finale. Um, not because, because I don't think it would have necessarily made, like, changed anything in the show. I just feel like it would have made more sense, you know, and it would have felt more realistic to just, like, dealing with grief, trauma, but also kind of, like, being a character that constantly deflects because that's what Davy does. Um, but I really liked the last episode because it kind of did the things that I felt like the rest of the season should have done when it came to those things. Um, and it reminds me of On My Block, which regardless of, I feel like, how you feel about On My Block, because I know some people don't really like it. They think that it's corny, yada, yada, yada. Um, regardless of any of those feelings, I feel like on my block season two did a really good job of showing PTSD with like death or a loved one's death with the way that, um, Ruby, I think that's his name, the way that Ruby dealt with the death of, I don't know, that one white girl that played a Latina woman. I don't remember her name, but whenever she died. I feel like season two did a really good job of showing the aftermath of dealing with that. And it's, it's very similar. It's very similar, like in the situation, I guess, in the way that it is in this show. But I felt like on my block did a much better job because you actually see him addressing those feelings. And I think that's my main thing is you see Ruby addressing those feelings, even if he wants to deny it. And so it's like, I, I understand if Davy feels like she has to constantly repress those feelings for whatever reason, even though it would have been even better to know, to understand like her coping mechanisms behind some things. Because um, I feel like in those moments, again, it, it makes things just feel more realistic because a lot of, a lot of the side effects that happens or a lot of the I don't want to say consequences, but like a lot of the things that happen because of a traumatic event don't make sense. But I feel like 
when it comes to people's ways of coping, it's usually tied to a very poignant central issue, you know? And so it's like, okay, if her big thing is she just, she, for whatever reason, you know, she can't address it because she doesn't want to have to accept her father's death. She doesn't want to have to accept the fact that he's gone. And so she keeps pushing it off or deflecting or making it, you know, not important. I feel like, again, that would have helped to humanize the situation, but also make it feel more realistic, but again, make it feel more important to the storyline. But yeah, if she, if we have just seen her, if we had just seen her, um, address or I guess fall apart more in moments of being triggered or addressing her father's death, I feel like that would have made it seem more important to the story and, you know, gave it just a lot more depth than I feel like it had. Um, and I liked what it did in the last episode because that's where you, you finally see her breakdown. You finally see her mom breakdown about what's been going on. Um, because again, it's just kind of like, I don't know, this might be okay behavior at some point of grieving, but it just felt kind of unnatural for the timing that the show is taking place regarding her father's death, if that makes sense. So it's like, I think this is taking place like eight months after he has passed away and that's still really fresh. And so again, it's like if she's going to be dealing with a really fresh passing and a really traumatic moment of losing her father, I don't know. I just feel like it could have been done a bit better. Like, I feel like my critique of it might to somebody come across of like, I'm just being nitpicky on talking about trauma, you know, and it's like trauma is so individual or is so individualistic. Like, can you really be critiquing it? But at the same time, I do feel like since they put it in there, they needed to do it for a reason. And my main complaint is that it kind of feels like, there wasn't much purpose for it. I don't care for it at the end of the day. I guess that's all that I'm saying. Um, and I can't help but feel that way. I don't know. Sorry. Um, I guess my other, I don't really, again, like I don't really have much to say about the show because I still really liked it. It's just my biggest thing was the father's death. I will say though, on a different note, like, the father's death, I guess we're done. I said what I need to say. But on a different note, I just want to talk about the fact that I, here's the thing. When I saw Praxin, I was like, this man looks like old. Like this man looks a bit old. And I know that like teenagers are all old and they are never actually teenagers or really ever close to the age of a teenager. Like, I understand that. Whatever. We're in its own regard. But, like, I saw him and I was like, the bags under his eyes are not even screaming, like, you know? The bags under his eyes are not screaming teenager. They're barely screaming early 20s. They're screaming more towards the 30s. But since 
I just had that moment and I never confirmed it. I was like, whatever. And then I got invested in the TV show and I was like, ooh, okay, Braxton, like, you know, whatever, like you and Davey, like, okay. And so when they got to, well, I guess they didn't really get together. When they kissed, you're like, oh, yay. But then I found out that this man is actually old. And I guess it's not, it would not have been that weird had I not found out that Davey is more, is closer to being a teen, is like closer to being the age of her actual character than Praxin is. Praxin's like the the man that plays him, I think is like 29, so almost 30. Davy is 18. The girl that plays her is 18. And I don't know why. I do know why. But like after finding that out, it just it made it made scenes a bit more uncomfortable you know and I was like Braxton's old Braxton's old why is this man old why is Davey young and it, I guess it's even more weird because I think everybody else like Praxton is 29 and everybody else is closer to 18 19 20 21 um the guy that plays Ben I think he's like 1920 the girl who plays like Fabiola I think she's like 1920 maybe 21 Davy, the girl that plays her is 18 and so I'm like why is everybody like close to high school age or just even close to their own age and this man is 30 I just I don't know I don't know it just don't sit right with me but Praxton looks good. I can't deny it. Praxton looks really good. Praxton is attractive. Um, I don't know who I'm rooting for in the next season. Because again, like Praxton is very attractive. Seeing him on screen, I would like to continue to see him on screen. But again, it, like it just starts to feel unrealistic with him and Davy. Like Davy just, it just, it, it, it's only going to be a relationship that causes problems. I just know that. And so then, like, when she kisses Ben, you're like, okay. Like, that's who she should be with. And that just feels more right. So, I don't know. Ben feels more right. I don't really care if she ends with Praxin. I just think that Praxin is attractive and, like, he should stay on the show because, like, he's attractive. Uh, that's all I really have to say. I don't know who he's going to end up with. Maybe it doesn't have to end up with anybody. He's just on screen a lot. No idea. Um, but yeah, I think that's really all I have to say about the show. I feel like I didn't make that many points, but I've been talking a while. Um, I will say I like the Big Little Lies reference. I don't remember exactly what. It was something about pushing somebody. Was that it? Yeah. When uh, Fabiola's little little girlfriend was like, oh, it's almost like you push her in the pool. And she's like, I didn't push her in the pool. She fell. And she's like, okay, big little lies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny because that is so big little lies, but also like a big little lies reference. Like we love, we stand. But besides that, I really don't have anything else to say about the show. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, I'm excited for it next season I think it is genuinely hilarious 
I don't like I don't know I can't really say you'll think it's funny too just because again comedy is so is like the most subjective between that and horror um but I thought it was hilarious I really did I thought the writing was pretty good I'm just I don't like how they handle the father's death that's really my biggest complaint um but yeah I had such a fun time watching it I might watch it again so that's all I have for never have I ever now we're gonna be talking about blood and water which I I wrote down a lot of stuff which isn't really even thoughts or my opinions it's really just me reacting to moments of the show but not that we have to compare but because it always has to be a comparison for me I guess I did not like blood and water as much or more than I liked never have I ever um I guess for a few reasons but again I don't know blood and water it's it's really nothing like never have I ever which again is why I guess I shouldn't um compare the two but I do regardless so what I will say the first thing and I'm looking at my notes for I guess the people watching me and I keep looking down the first episode I I said that the first episode was kind of confusing I think it's just me I think I'm just like a raging idiot and I made the first episode confusing because once you sit and think about it you're like okay I guess that makes sense but it's all centered about around a girl who her sister went missing 17 years ago. I think her older sister, I don't know. Her older sister went missing 17 years ago. Um, She was kidnapped as a child. And the case is kind of brought back up again for some reason. And it's kind of her trying to find out um, if somebody or whoever is her sister in the most vague concise way as possible so I guess what confused me about the first episode was the birthday party I don't know like again maybe it's just me maybe I'm a terrible person when it comes to dealing with like trauma and grief because it just confused me that they were doing a big celebration for this child that had been kidnapped and been gone its entire life for 17 years straight you know so they were doing it and I was like okay so 17 years so it has to be you know oh girl who is the protagonist and then you're like okay so it's not her so where's the 17 year old girl and then you find out later that it's this long lost child that they've had that was kidnapped at birth so you're like okay so you never really got to genuinely celebrate her birthday but you're still celebrating it 17 years later again maybe that's just me maybe I'm a trash human being it 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 was confusing because I just felt like after 17 years when did you stop whatever that I guess that's not really a complaint um I don't know I just again my thoughts are they're not really critiques if anything they're just me talking about it um crazy that old girl was having an affair with her swim coach Fikile. oh I guess I should talk about the main character the main character's name is Poulang she goes to this one school she goes to like a public school um her father is randomly accused 
for the disappearance of her long lost sister, which again, maybe I'm an idiot, but like I was confused the entire reason why he was accused. And it, I feel like it doesn't tell you until the last episode, but essentially what the last episode tells you is that the father did not want to have this daughter. The daughter's name is Pumele. I think so. I think that's her name. So he did not want the mother to have Pumele. And the mother did. And in the trial, they say that he even tries to make her have an abortion, but she doesn't. And so when the child is born, he immediately sells the child off for human trafficking. And it's a lot to unpack. But I have a problem with the way that they did that. Um, again, I I, under, I guess I understand. I feel like when you're always like, why do they do that? It always comes to the plot point. And so like with Davy's death, it's like, was that necessary for the plot? In a way it was because his accusations or him being um, arrested and accused for it is kind of what pushes Poulang to transfer schools, um, which then pushes her down this whole rabbit hole of the rest of the TV show. But I just felt like it came out of nowhere, you know? And especially because you don't find out exactly how he's related to the case until the end. Anytime his case is brought up, you're like, but why? And so, like, you in the beginning, you just find out that he is accused um, of having some sort of hand in the disappearance of Puleme. And so you're like, okay, why? They don't really tell you. And I think later on, they're like, you know, he sold his daughter off for human trafficking. So you're like, okay, so... That's why he's accused, but why would he sell his own child off to human trafficking? You know, like, and I feel like that's a, that's a reasonable question to ask. It's kind of like, why would he do that? Why would he do that when he has two other kids and especially a daughter? You know, it just, I feel like that's a reasonable question to ask and it's never really addressed. And so you're always kind of like, I don't know what, what we're doing here because I don't know what the father's doing here. I don't know why he's being accused of this. It, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense. And so I just I didn't like how they handled it because I don't I feel like they didn't give you enough information about that whole his whole case, I guess. I feel like, again, the information they gave out in the last episode, they should have done at the beginning because it doesn't necessarily mean that he is right or wrong. It doesn't necessarily tell you whether or not he did it, but it just gives you more information for the rest of the story. Another one of my thoughts. Oh, Wendy. They did. I mean, they they did what they needed to do with Wendy. I think ultimately she was plagued as an unlikable character. And she was. It's not even that like her decisions were just bad, but like she had good intentions behind what she did. And that's another thing. The show does a lot of shows a lot of people making like stupid dumb teenage decisions like the stupid dumb teenager decisions that you're like okay you didn't spend more than five seconds thinking about this before you did it 
and you don't know the, the consequences of these actions, you know? There's a lot of that, but it's like everybody and just a lot messier than I feel like it should be. And at times it, it was just a bit too much for you. Like, okay, everybody's just too messy. Everybody's doing too much. And it, it's especially the last, like the last two episodes, it was just getting too chaotic. Because um, everyone's just making stupid decision after stupid decision. But I guess regardless, Wendy sucks. And I, th- I think that it's good that we have, we all have a character that we can, you know, bam behind and be like, girl, like you suck. Like you're not good. Not because like she's a genuinely bad human being, but because like she makes really poor decisions that hurt a lot hurt really everybody else besides her and I guess that's also the thing she's just very selfish and so the way that she reacts is just very selfish um but I'm like why she gotta be I don't know why why we gotta put why we gotta pit black girls against each other I didn't like that and necessarily more so Wendy like I guess it's good that there's a lot of black people in the show but like I don't know couldn't you have made like a white girl like the rude one that's trying to tear everybody down like why she gotta be a black girl i don't know that's just i just thought about that like i was just like dang like why she gotta be a black girl tearing other black girls down and it was always just for no reason like i guess you're mad because fakili has money okay whatever sure i guess but also like why are you trying to ruin this girl's life because you're mad that she got money and like you're mad that your other poor decisions have brought on consequences that you don't like you know but whatever the swim coach first of all there were some moments where I was like y'all like she a teen like y'all forgetting that she a teen especially when um his wife comes in calling her all sorts of names calling her everything under the sun trying to you know do that whole thing where it's like why are you trying to fight the girl fight your husband okay fight your husband because he ah, he groomed this this teenager this girl was having sex with her like he is so in the wrong this man is a pedophile beat your husband up you know cuss out your husband don't cuss out her like be mad at your husband first and foremost her coming in there talking all types of mess with Fikile, i was like dang girl that's wrong um you shouldn't do that like you look bad you look bad and i guess you're mad like you gotta be mad at somebody for tearing your marriage apart besides your husband but like not a teenager put all that back on your husband (laughs) like that's what he deserves and yeah he deserved it all he should not have been let off off the hook and even though it's sad that all of like he got treated the way that he should have been treated happened because or it happened because his wife confronted Fakile but means that in the process like her reputation is ruined in a sense that sucks because like your husband he deserves all the flack um but like she shouldn't she shouldn't be brought into it publicly you know what i'm saying so i'm glad that 
the swim coach, I don't even remember his name, he got what he deserved. I feel like Bikili should not have been drugged into the public like that. Um, because again, she's just a child, you know? So, dang dog. It doesn't really have anything against the actual film. Again, like, I'm just talking. I'm just saying my thoughts. Um, Poulang with KB, I support. I like Wade. I just do not think that he should end up with Poulang. I'm sorry. KB's cuter. I don't think Wade's that cute. Not to be rude. So, I don't get honest here. Um, but Wade is—he's a great dude. He's a great friend. You know, we we all need great friends. He's a great friend. Um, but I will say, when he addresses Pulang about kind of ending their relationship because he has feelings for her, good for him because he gets walked. He gets walked all over. Is that the saying? walked on all over he gets walked all over i don't know the saying regardless he gets used and abused <laughs> a lot by Poulain. when she tells him her secret she kind of dumps everything on him and drags him into the mess and then he, she kind of abandons all of her problems and leaves him trying to figure it out for her and so i think that it's good that he he stood his his ground. He created some boundaries and was like, yo, you know, like, I really like you. And if you don't like me, that's fine. But I don't think that, you know, we should be as close as we are because I can't, you know, I can't deal with having feelings for you and you not having feelings for me as well. I think that's that's a very adult way of handling it. And so I think that it's good that he created those boundaries I think Poulain also needs to not depend on him as much and not use and abuse him as much as she does because he deserves a lot better. Um, but I still think that they should not be together. I think that he deserves a lot better and hopefully they can come back as friends. Maybe he needs to get his own girlfriend. Maybe she needs to work things out with KB and they can be friends again. And that would be nice, but I don't think they should be together. Because I think KB's cuter. But then it's like, KB was a nice guy until the very end. And that's what I was saying about people just making stupid decisions for no reason. And it just becoming too chaotic. It's like, you didn't need to do that. You know? You didn't need to do all that. I feel like there was no need to tarnish his reputation. I feel like he was a perfectly well-rounded character without having to go and do something stupid and it was just like it's just the it's like the most like oh come on thing to do you know so dumb um I didn't like it I didn't like it I feel like it was unnecessary drama but also it's just like okay not every character has to be a garbage human being and even even if you want to even if you want to push the boundaries of characterization in the way of like every character has a moment where you have to like re reevaluate their character or you have to re you have to look at them in a different way you know that's fine a lot of tv shows have that where you're like okay like i like this character but when they did this and this and that 
mm, that was really sus. It makes me think of them differently or not as highly as I thought of them, but I still think that like they're a good character at the end of the day. That's fine. But like him going off and cheating on Poulang, it was just like, especially again, the last episode, it was kind of like, okay, do we really need that? Like that just seemed like something you just put in for more drama. Which also brings me to a point of saying that I feel like the like the first half, I feel like the last half was kind of overkill on drama and like just plot happening because the first half was so not. It was a lot of the times uneventful. Uh, I feel like the last like three episodes, it was like twist and turns there. And then it's kind of gets too much because I feel like, you know, they could have spread that out a bit more. Um, but again, I don't know. Not that it's a small thing, but it is a thing. I also, oh, KB's music. KB's music was trash. KB's music was garbage. It was embarrassing. That has nothing to do with the TV shows. Just watching those moments, I just, like, it was so embarrassing. I couldn't. I literally had to, like, look away, stop listening, talk to myself, you know? Really bad. But, yeah, that is neither here nor there, I guess. Also, what's bad? Ah! I don't want to be... <laughs> I feel like I'm too harsh on the show. Like, I feel like I'm not... I'm, I'm really downplaying how much I liked it because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is bad. This is bad. But Fikile's hair. I'm sorry. But it was not good. I just, I don't, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know why they had to do her like that. It felt like really bad memes of like a Tyler Perry movies wig budget but they did girl they did old girl dirty I'm gonna say that they did old girl dirty that's all I'm gonna say again has nothing to do with how I actually feel about the TV show it's just that they did old girl dirty regardless I think that's all I have to say about that TV show as well. I overall, again, I like this show. I didn't like it as much as Never Have I Ever. Um, just because, I don't know, I just didn't. There were some part, parts where I just wasn't the biggest fan. Things didn't really click with me as much as it did with not even click like relate, but you know, just reach me, I guess, as much as it did. I still think that it is uh, a pretty good show. Like I, again, will be watching next season when it comes out. And I think that it's, it's a fun show to watch. Um, if you want to get into a TV show, but yeah, I guess my main points were just the father's, the father's um, his accusations, him being tied to the thing. I feel like they could have done that better. Um, the pacing of the show, I feel like they could have done a little bit better. It felt very rushed in the end because it felt very drawn out in the beginning. More is not less, you know? Less is more. 
And so if they would have stuck to maybe smaller, more impactful dramas than a lot of these small dramas that are just going to pile up to be big, um, it would have made the ending a bit better. But besides that, I again, I didn't have anything wrong with it. The ending, I really, well, the ending was nice. But like the last shot of the ending when it literally flips upside down because it's like, literally flipping someone's world upside down because you're telling them that like they're your long lost sister you know i like that effect i thought it was really cool i guess for both shows the directing editing it 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 did what it was supposed to do because i forgot about it most of the time you know it wasn't anything significant that i really took notice of besides blood and water's literal like last second when it did its flipped effect um but for the rest of the season and for the season of never have i ever it was fine because i forgot about it you know it's always fine when you're kind of more into the storyline than you are into the editing give or take that it's good or bad you know i didn't notice it because it was bad which means that it was decent if that makes sense (laughs) so that's all I have for this episode. I feel like I haven't been talking as long as I have, but I probably have. So those are my thoughts on Never Have I Ever and Blood and Water. Again, I enjoyed both fairly well, enough to where I will watch them come their next seasons. I enjoyed Never Have I Ever um, more than Blood and Water, but I still have some of my issues with both of them but I still think that they're good shows to watch I would still recommend them um and they're early on in the season these are just early on in the series because these are just the first season so I feel like if you want to get into it now is the time or maybe not if you like binging stuff um but yeah those are my thoughts I'm glad to have watched them but I'm also glad to have be done watching them um because I just like watching movies and I'm ready to watch movies again. So next week, um, we're going to be talking about another TV show. We're going to be talking about the season as a whole of Insecure. Um, I love Insecure. I think I started watching it after the first season or the second season. I don't remember. I think I like binge watched the first season and then started getting into maybe the second season or I binge watched this first and second season got into third it's irrelevant but I've I've loved the tv show for a while and I was really excited for when it came out especially since it took a break um but with the timing of when I started this podcast to when the season started um I haven't been able to really talk about it much or talk about it on a weekly basis. So I want to dedicate next week's episode to talking about the season in full. Um, since it's coming to an end. Which is so crazy because I feel like it just happened. But that also leads me to a point that I'm going to make in that episode. So if you have yet to see season four of Insecure. You have a week. So get on it if you want to be in the conversation for next week's episode 
Um, if not, we're just going to be spoiling everything about next week's episode as we do. And yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be back. I really am excited to be sitting back down here filming this again and to eventually get back on with this podcast because I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot more that I want to put out and I just want to keep doing this. So, oh, 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 oh. I always forget to say this, but if you do not know, I have a Instagram dedicated to this podcast. Yes, I have an Instagram dedicated to this podcast. It is at sigflick.pod. I kind of tell you when episodes are coming out. I also try and engage with you as much as possible, either talking about what are your thoughts for some things, what do you want for this podcast going forward. So if you want to stay involved, stay engaged, and just be on the know of what's happening with this podcast, definitely follow the Instagram at sickflick.pod. I also, if you're listening to this and you like watching things on YouTube, I also try and do YouTube videos. Doing videos is harder than doing podcast episodes because I don't know what's going on, but figuring out how to export is a beast for whatever reason. But that's neither here nor there. So yeah, follow my Instagram for this podcast. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or concerns, again, the best way to reach me is through that podcast as well. So if you have anything you want to suggest for an episode idea or something you want me to watch going forward, definitely reach out to the Instagram. And just because I want to keep talking with you guys past just these weekly episodes. But yeah, now I will actually see you next week. So peace out, Girl Scout.